Preparing this sermon today was one of the hardest things I've ever done, believe it or not. I've done this a few times now, but this has been a tough couple of weeks for me. Why? Because I'm going to ask you to pursue something I've struggled with myself. And I've struggled the most over the past few weeks. I feel unworthy and I feel like I'm at big risk of being a hypocrite. What's worse is I have a million excuses, but God has made it perfectly clear to me that he has made me, he has prepared me, and he has sent me for the very thing that I've been avoiding to do. I come to you having been very, very frustrated. I come to you having been even angry. I come to you having been a shell of myself And I come to you having been very, very ashamed. In fact, if we had not confessed our sins today, if I had not come to the Lord's table, I don't think I would be able to preach in front of you today. But because God is so good, he sent me through that pain for a purpose. Not my own by any means, but for his very purpose. You see, I had a conversation with God in the midst of this frustration. And it was one of those ones where I had broken down and I ran to him and he said, ha, I was expecting you. And he said three things to me that you may resonate with. He said, Andrew, you are not hearing me. You read and hear scripture all day, every day, but do you hear my voice? He said, your life reveals your heart to me and I can look at your life and I can say, you are not hearing my voice. And he said, you're not seeing me either. He's calling me deaf and blind. He said, you're so busy. You're in such a tunnel vision. You are so focused on these small things in front of you, things you think you must do, and you don't see the people I've put in front of you. You look at the problems, programs, and processes, and you are blind to the people that need you. And he said, because these things are true, Andy, you are not living. What you are experiencing is a shell of the life I prepared for you. It's nothing like the joy and the peace that I have prepared for you. And he said, I love you way too much to keep you in this spiral of anger and shame. Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for all the blessings you've given us, all the good things, but sometimes, like I am today, we're thankful for that wake-up call. We're thankful for your love and your word that guides us. Help us to hear you. Help us to see you in our lives and help us see the people you're working on that are right in front of us and how you're using us to reach them and help us live the life not we choose but the life you prepared for us that is so much better than anything we could come up with. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. Everyone is talking about community. Everyone seems to want it. Most complain if they don't find it. And it's harder to pull off than you think. People complain of time constraints, busyness, and fear, and often have memories of community gone bad. We've got children to deal with. Some people struggle to relate well socially. We're often 30 minutes drive or more away from the people we like to hang out with. We're stressed about money. We overwork. And when we get free time, 
we have a hard time sharing it, that, that, sharing that free time with others. Sure, we all know we need this thing called community, and we even have some inklings that tell us that our friends need it too. Yet a grand canyon-sized gap exists between our hopes and our realities. I read those, those words in a book called The Tangible Kingdom Primer, A Guide to Incarnational Community that Pastor Dustin handed to me quite a while ago. And I couldn't help but hear a pretty sad reality and a sad truth in my own life and, and some of the struggles I've heard from others. There is no doubt about it. We need community. God created us to be in relationship with Him and with others. But it's clear now to me, we need community and community needs us. You see, God works on us and he's been working on me over time to show me that there are people that need me. And I couldn't help thinking about this powerful connection between God and us and, uh, and God working through us for other people. And I thought of this amazing uh, well, first of all, I saw, heard a moment ago, did I get off? I sure did. I heard those words from God, those three things, but I notice I too feel those sometimes, and I also see other people hearing these things. Have you ever been talking with someone, disagreeing with them, and, and you're trying to express yourself, and you go, you're not hearing me. Or have you ever felt so unseen, like the person didn't know your heart or what you're trying to do, and you said, you're not seeing me? Or have you ever felt like you're living a shell of what God calls you to live? Well, those three things God spoke to me, and I started looking at what I should do about it in my own life and in others. And it brought me to the Gospel of Matthew a little later than our reading today, and it was these words that, that connect God and the people around us in a unique way. He said, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. What Jesus is saying is, what you do for the people that I put around you, you do also to me. When we love our neighbors, we're loving God. When we're caring for those that need care, we're caring for him. And it made me realize that God speaks to us, of course, through his word. We can be certain of that. But he also speaks through those people he puts in front of us. We can see God by the people in front of us. And what we do for the people that God brings into our awareness, we do for God himself. I put it this way. Treat others the way you would treat God. That's really in so many ways what he's saying here. He's saying, for those that are hungry, feed them like you would feed me. For those that are thirsty, quench their thirst like you would me. For any stranger, welcome them like you would welcome me. And that's a big group of people. Anyone naked, clothe them like you would clothe me. Anyone sick, visit them like you would visit me. Anyone imprisoned, go to be with them like you would go to be with me. And the reason it hurts so bad when I read those verses is because I haven't been doing that at all. I put it this way. On the scale of care, a normal person's operating right here in the middle. This is just a normal amount of care for your neighbor. We all spend plenty of time here, sure. And then we get this book in front of us called Joining Jesus on His Mission. And I love it because it's really helpful, it's really practical, and it tells me exactly what Jesus is calling me to do. But if I do that, 
the care for my neighbor is going to go way over here. And I feel so guilty because I've been hanging out over here. I try to hide the frustration I've been having. I, I know my wife sees it. Some of you might have been around me lately and go, something's going on with Andy. And Pastor John can certainly, and Dustin can certainly tell you, I've been having a few crazy weeks. And I had to, ask the, had to ask the question, why? And what's great is, I was so clueless to it. I had no idea it was going on. Until I started to feel this anger and these feelings, and I'm going, why am I angry? Well, as the tangible kingdom primer said earlier, there's three big ones. There's many other reasons, but there's three that really stick out, and I was, I was kind of, all of them were affecting me. Because when the, the biggest things that keep us from hearing God's voice the biggest things that keep us from seeing him in our lives and the biggest things that keep him from joining, uh, joining his mission are we are too busy. We can't see him when we're in a hurry. And we certainly can't see the people that need us when we're in a hurry. And I'll tell you what, I have been in a really big hurry. We're too political. You cannot love people in the way that we see Jesus loving people. You cannot stop and care for people, especially people that are different than you, especially people that might disagree with you if you take an agenda. Even if you're right. Even if they're really dumb. They cannot see the love you have for them. They, can, you, they cannot see Jesus if you have an agenda as a wall between, between you and them. And you certainly cannot be in relationship fully with God and neighbors if you are scared all the time. And my friends, we're seeing the consequences of this. In chapter 14, Greg Finke says, The American Sociological Review recently reported that 53% of Americans have no one outside of their immediate family with whom they can discuss important matters. I love the way he sums this up. In other words... More than half of the people we see every day have almost no one who gives a rip about what they are thinking, wondering, or wrestling with. Half of the people you meet think no one cares. Half of the people you meet have no one they can talk to. What can we do about this? You've got to see the opportunity in this, and it becomes really beautiful when you do. But first, we need to look to the one that's on mission and inviting us to go with him. We have to look to our reading today, Jesus. He looks upon the same crowded, harassed, and helpless people that you and I come across every day. And what does he do? He has compassion. He sees them and he takes all of those divisive thoughts, all of those fears away and he just sees them for the children of God they are. And I promise you that group he was looking at were some ridiculous people. But we also need to hear his words and, and I hear them sometimes and I always probably take them wrong. First of all, we are those sheep. Sometimes I think, oh, I'm going to be a shepherd. I'm going to go save lives. There's only one shepherd, the good, good shepherd. And we are the sheep in this story, but we have a good, good shepherd. There are many other sheep out there that don't have him and don't know him. 
That's where you and I as sheep also become laborers. And he says the laborers are few. And I don't want you to hear those words and go, guess we lose. I want you to say, I'll be a laborer. And when it comes to being a sheep and a laborer, I want you to know what it means and what it doesn't mean. Joining Jesus on his mission is not asking you to give up your active lives. In fact, quite the opposite in many ways. He's not asking you to abdicate your role and swallow your opinions. And he's not asking anyone here in here to be something they're not. I'm not asking you to be a fearless extrovert evangelist. In fact, I could make a huge argument that the introverts in this room are the best witnesses we got. Do you know why? They stop talking and listen. I wouldn't know, but I hear. (laughs) But you see, joining Jesus on his mission is asking you to be a part of and to build community. I certainly will caution everybody in here. I bet everybody in here is probably doing more than they probably should. We all do. The world feeds that. I will always tell you to take a step back from a lot of the things that are demanded of you. But in your active life, that's exactly where Jesus has called you. He wants you to witness as you go. Think of all the places you go and the people you see. What an opportunity. That's where the hopeless are. That's where the sheep that need a shepherd are. Perfect. And I want you to stand up and fight for injustice, no doubt about it. But I want you to do it a little bit differently than our human nature tells us to. I want you to put your weapons down. I don't want you to think differently about the things that you hold true, especially if they're consistent with God's word. I want you to protect the voiceless and those that need protected, but I want you also to open doors. I want you to be in, I want you to be talking to people that you don't like. I want you to be talking to people that think differently than you. They need you too. It's a different way to fight for people. And I want you to do that very simply. I want you to talk to and listen to them. I want you to know people's names. Hey, I'm so sorry. I know I should know this. What's your name again? Say it all the time. Hey, we've known each other for a while, but I feel like I know you, but I don't know your story. What's your story? Hey, I'd love to, I know, I know we're both busy, but I'd love to just sit down for a few minutes and just, just get to know you better. I want to know you. I want you to find the person that goes, no. (laughs) I'm trying. I can't find them. And the reason this is, is because Greg Finke says this in in his chapter, Talking with People. He says, Jesus can do more with two people who are talking with each other than he can with two people who are successfully ignoring each other. Take that in. How many people have you successfully ignored, even with good excuses? I don't want you to look at that with guilt. I want you to look at that with opportunity eyes and just simply go talk to them. You see, we're going to be continuing to go through this book and it gets really, really helpful. We're going to help you do it. You're not going to be coming away going, I still, I know I need to do it, but I don't know how. That's not going to be happening. My portion today is to tell you to learn names. Ask a couple good questions and then just listen. Learn people's story, because if you know someone's name and you learn their story, you know them a heck of a lot better than most people know them. And pretty soon, if on act, you might look up and you might have friendship. 
you might still be wondering, how can I talk to people? What can we talk about? How do I help them see Jesus? And that's just it. If missional, this mission we're on, means to go, incarnation is about how you go and what people see as they go. And we're going to be getting into that. But before we can go any further, I want, I want to get rid of the walls. And I want to get rid of the guilt that holds you back. Because it just starts with a name. We're going to talk about great ways we can gather and support one another. But really, to be incarnational, it's just about earning trust. Being there, knowing that you are a child of God. And even just by loving them, they're going to start to see Jesus. It's going to start to happen. And I know this true because I need to share a story with you. As I mentioned earlier, I've had a crazy three weeks. I was not an easy human to be around, I'll be honest. And one of the most frustrating days I had, I went home. I was so angry, I texted my wife, who always comes home from work after me, warning. I took my three kids, I got the two older ones settled, I started dinner, I grabbed the little, little one, Addie Joy, she's good at cheering daddy up, she's a sweetheart. And I just held her for a little bit. And I was sitting outside. I like to go out and sit on my, my driveway. And I, I put my tailgate down. And I was sitting there just holding her. And I just had this moment with God. I said, God, I'm frustrated. I'm angry. And I feel so guilty. I don't know why I'm angry. There's so many things that work on me. I know this. But I need to just give it up to you, Lord. I need you to take, take the wheel here. I need you to show me what you want me to do. I need you to correct me. Work in my heart. And just show me the way you want me to go. And as soon as I got done praying that, honestly, tears in my eyes prayer, I look at my little girl and I see her smiling face. But what's amazing is I could look at that face all day and all of a sudden, behind her, I saw movement. And I looked beyond my little girl and I saw my neighbor go into her driveway. This is a neighbor that moved in quite recently and I harbor a ton of guilt because she's a really sweet lady and I have not welcomed her in the right way to our neighborhood. She doesn't know me yet. I know her a little bit. We've at least introduced ourselves to each other, but she's, she's one that I have not been a good neighbor to. And so I said, Addie, let's go meet her again. And we go over there and she got a new puppy and Addie played with her puppy and I got to talk to her and I just said, I know I should know your name, isn't it? And I guess right. <clears throat> And that was a good start, but we got to, I just said, I'm so sorry I haven't been more welcoming to you. I really am. That's not who we are, and I, I want to know you. I want to exchange numbers. If you need anything, I want you to know I'm right across the street. We had a really nice visit. And I guarantee you after that, she felt like she knew me a lot more. And I was like, thanks, God. That was good. So I turned to go home, and I run into another neighbor. A couple that I do know quite a bit better, but we hadn't really paused and gotten to, in an unhurried way, catch up. And we got to catch up a little bit, too. I said, oh, God, two of them. Sweet. Thanks, buddy. And I turned to go home, and who comes down the sidewalk but another two neighbors that I hadn't talked to in many, many months. And it's another one I had so much guilt for not being more of a neighbor to, and we got to catch up, and it was a delight. And so I'm like, oh, okay, this is what you want me to do. <laughs> All right. And if it doesn't stop there, I took Addie inside, and I came outside, and I was going to mow. And I was going to have one of those mows because I've been having a tough time where you just, like, are angry while you mow. And you take it out on the grass. But because of my interactions, I was in a lot better mood. And so I'm not kidding you. Everybody that walked by on the sidewalk, I stopped the mower. And they're like, oh, you didn't have to do that. I'm like, I did. This is such a beautiful night. I don't want to disturb your walk. And by the way, my name's Andy. They probably thought I was insane. <laughs> but they know me now. And they know he who, the kid named Andy lives there. And he's 
little different, but he seems nice. And I didn't have a huge conversation with him, but I introduced myself, and I just said, you know, I know people walk by all the time, and so just always say hi. And the best one yet, I've got one guy that lives three houses down, and in the two years I've been there, we have not met, and it drives me absolutely crazy. And every time I drive by my truck, I try to wave, but he just never looks, right? And so he was mowing, and I was mowing, and I keep going this way, and then I turn back towards his house, and I'm like, okay, if he looks up, sure enough, boom, deer in the headlights. We caught eye contact, and I, like, threw the mower aside, and I went. And he went. Things I hadn't seen, I was starting to see, and it was those people that God put in front of me. And, of course, this is just a start, but I've got people that I know now and know me, and we're going to end up friends. And I hadn't seen those things because I was busy and at times I was defensive and I wasn't living the way God called me to live. But it started with a prayer. A prayer to God to be my guide, be with me and show me what you want to show me and help my eyes see it. And it sometimes starts with forgiveness. I ask God to forgive me. We do that in our time of confession. And I asked a friend who I'd kind of ignored to forgive me and of course they did. In fact, everyone in here, we did confess our sins today, but you may not have been thinking in these terms. So if you've been too busy too, if you haven't gone across the street and you're carrying that weight, as a called and ordained servant of God's word, you are forgiven. You are forgiven and you know where God's calling you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because it starts with prayer. It starts with forgiveness. The forgiveness you just received. The refreshing that Pastor John talked about. And you have been set free. To go say I'm sorry if you have to. And say tell me your name again. To simply say I'm so sorry it's taken me so long. But now I'm ready. I'd love to have a sit and chat with you. I want to get to know you, my neighbor, and I want you to know me. This is just the beginning. It's not going to be easy, but I think you're ready. The last thing I want to leave you with is, as Pastor Dustin said a few weeks ago, something good will come of joining Jesus on his mission. I've already seen it. It took me out of a hole that I'd put myself in. And so I'm going to say it this way. If you set one part of your life aside, of all the amazing things you get to be a part of, if you have one thing left undone, you leave one thing left undone on your short time on this earth, if you have one thing you don't pursue, if you have one thing you will get to later, if you have one thing you don't do out of fear, don't let it be this. Let it be anything else. Instead, having been forgiven and made brand new, start today. Join Jesus on his mission. And I'll tell you what, friends, it's an adventure. It's real living in real community, the thing you know you need. And it's something that Jesus prepared ahead of time for you, having chosen you, having set you free, and having called you specifically to make an impact like you can never believe he's made it for such a time as this. So go from here knowing how loved you are 
and how many people are excited to see you. Amen.